Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be breaking down some more draft prospects and the reason I am doing this is because the Thunder they can actually land anywhere from pick one through eight come lottery night on Tuesday. So I want to iron out some of those prospects in the mid to late lottery that I just have not discussed because I've talked about Cade, both Jalen's, Evan Mobley, and even Kuminga earlier on in the week. But I want to talk about some more because like I said, if the Thunder do get in that doomsday scenario, I want to cover everybody. I'm gonna, And I'm going to be talking about even more people as we approach draft day. But I just want to talk about them now so you know what to look for heading into lottery night and talking about lottery night i'm going to be doing a collab with bricktown breaktown the guys from there are gonna be coming on the podcast recording it on sunday so if there's any sort of questions make sure to hit me up but i'm gonna be talking with them just everything lottery based gonna be talking about some of the prospects how they see them fitting next to SGA, and maybe some of the fallout you could see depending on where the Thunder end up landing. But like I said, going to be recording it on Sunday. Will be posted either Monday or Tuesday. That is a bit up in the air right now. But yeah, just get excited for that. They are great. I listened to their uh, collab with actually the writer who broke the news of Micic potentially being um, of interest to the Bulls. It was a great one, and then I also listened to them talking to Thunder Film Room, another pretty prominent guy on Twitter. So yeah, they're great. Highly suggest you guys listen to all of them. You guys will be able to listen to them on the show uh, next week. So yeah, just, just look out for that. But without further ado, let's get right into the prospects. All right, so kicking things off with Scotty Barnes, this is a player that I've seen so many people just rave about and think he's actually better than some of these top five picks in particular Jonathan Kuminga and they're kind of similar when you look at them kind of like from a position standpoint and their play style Scotty Barnes is six foot nine and he has a seven foot two wingspan so you kind of look at him as like a three or four when you look at Kuminga He's 6'6". Six, six. I think the wingspan is like seven foot. I might be off a little bit, but I know he's about three or four inches um, longer than what his listed height is. So he does have length, and so does Scotty Barnes. And that means a lot of defensive versatility. And that is the first thing that kind of pops out to you when you look at Scotty Barnes. I mean, playing for Florida State, SEC play or ACC play. I don't even know what I'm saying there, but there's a lot of speedy guards that are in the conference and he was able to hold up pretty well. Actually, he was taking guards. I'm talking like five foot nine guards, maybe like short six footers, but point guards. He was pressing full court and doing a good job of staying up front and disrupting. He would go in there and jar the ball loose. He averaged one and a half steals playing for the Seminoles this past season, and it kind of came from everywhere. I mean, it started, as I said, just in isolation, right in front of a defender, getting his hands in in there and just letting it go. I mean, he's able to rip the ball just straight up. But also, when you look at him in passing lanes, he's able to be active and jump the gun and get some steals out of there. So I think when it comes to steals, he's very, very good. But guard play, if you're able to guard guards consistently at the next level at six foot nine, 
you are going to be a serious, serious threat, and every single coach should be salivating at a player like that. When you look at him uh, outside of the guards, though, he still holds up pretty well because, like I said, he's six foot nine, and he's listed as a small forward power forward, so he can take the forwards. And even at times, he was running up against fives. Now, when it comes to pick and roll defense, I really was not able to get a good enough read on Scotty Barnes, and that is important. He's going to need to be a pretty good defender, but after watching him, I will say I like what I see laterally from him, his movements, even trying to mirror his defender at times. He looks solid in doing that. I wouldn't say he's as good as Evan Mobley is in that respect because I was really hyping up Mobley. I do think, though, he is able to match, and it does kind of create some havoc for the opposition because they simply just cannot turn the corner on Scotty Barnes. So going straight up on him, it's not going to be a good look regardless of who you're matched up against. And then even if you beat him and you try going to the basket, he can chase down and get some blocks. And for him, I mean, it's not something that appeared a lot. He averaged 0.5 blocks this season, but I think it still showed up enough to make it really a notable trait for him because I do think with the length that he possesses that's not a part of his game that will go away and the same goes for his on-ball defense even off the ball he was pretty dominant he did get active and trying to poke the ball loose but also off the ball he was very good at switching and even you know when there was kind of dribble handoffs or you know people were just running around the court on screens he could kind of stay attached to his man in you know, seamlessly work through the defense. So he's a cog that you can throw into really any situation and defensively he should be able to work out for you. I don't know, like I said, if you can play him as a small ball five right now, but one through four, he does have the kind of, I'd say he does have the seeds to be able to play there. And that is going to be huge for anyone who wants him. And if he's able to be at full capacity, if he can play one through four legitimately, that's where you start to think, could he be an all NBA kind of defender? And for me, I don't know if I go there yet. I think right now he's very good for his class. I would say top three when I look at who would be above him. That you, It's kind of a bit of a toss-up right now because I haven't scouted enough of these players, but just simply based off of the tape I have watched from Scotty Barnes, he's better than some of these players we've seen in the top five. For sure, Jalen Green because he can't really defend off of screens. Kuminga and him, they're very, very similar in respects to how they play. Jalen Suggs is different. Like A lot of it is guards, um, but with Mobley and Kate Cunningham, I don't know. It's a bit of a gray area, but he definitely does a lot of work defensively, and that's what teams would be drafting him for. They'd be drafting him because they feel like he's going to be an elite defender in the NBA. That's why he'd be a lottery pick. You don't pick a solid defender unless they have an offensive game, and I'll kind of go into that in a second. For him, though, um, I think his main kind of calling card when it comes to scoring is how he operates in transition. He averaged just a tick over 10 points with the Seminoles, and a lot of it was just off of drives. And when he's running downhill, he does pick up some steam. The acceleration is there, and he just looks like a completely different player because when he tries driving into the basket, he is solid. He does pick up speed. 
but in the open floor that's really where you see him at full force this is where he's gonna go in he's looking for posters he wants to take hits on contact and he makes it work i mean some of the finishes it does not look like he's six foot nine whatsoever he's fine and like he's six foot five so finishing I think it is a major, major plus for him. And even passing the basketball, I think he's a very smart decision maker when it comes to that. You see, at times, some of these forwards in the class just drive in and kind of get tunnel vision. That doesn't happen a lot with Scotty Barnes, especially, like I said, going in transition, he's looking to make outlets. He's looking to kick out if nothing's there. But um, yeah, I think most of the time, he's able to kind of pick his spots and really benefit also just right below the rim he does have a nice close shot he can kind of stem off of i think from a ball handling perspective he's good for the position now could it be a little bit tighter definitely it definitely could use some work there because he did have some issues turning the ball over he averaged two and a half but he does have a pretty solid game actually handling the basketball and this is a part of his forte that really blossoms when you see him with the screen if he gets a high ball screen he's able to turn a corner but when you look at him one-on-one -on -one, he does have a pretty nice between the legs even some push crosses are in his arsenal to where he can turn the corner now one of the major things you want to look at is do they have a quick first step because going up against other people who's you know six eight six nine six ten they may lack the speed, and Scotty Barnes won't wow you, at least, you know, running up and down, but he he is faster than, I'd say, like, the average power forward, or whatever it may be. If he's playing at power forward, he can try to turn the corner, but I'm not looking at him, and the first step wows me. I will say, though, his handling is very quick for the position, and it does make for, you know, some lanes to open up for him, and when you do get a high ball screen, he can just get up and go and with the frame that he has he can go right at defenses and a lot of the times you don't even see a lot of pressure to where he can just stroll in he'll take the lane and then he, he can just scoop the ball up and score because who is going to be able to block a guy with seven foot two wingspan when they're already six foot nine to begin with that's a heavy task for a center in this league how is someone you know who's like six eight with a six ten wingspan supposed to do that a guard there's no chance really so scotty barnes when he does turn the corner is pretty dangerous and as i mentioned he can soar he's not like a Jalen green he's not like a jonathan kuminga but he does get the job done when um when push comes to shove and he needs to be driving into the basket so as a dribbler i think he's solid i mean as i said turnovers can kind of be an issue for him but um yeah i mean at the base level he does have kind of a good slate to work with when he transitions over to the NBA I think building off of his game though a lot of it goes along with passing because people see Scotty Barnes as someone who defensively can lock you up he can finish but also he can help orchestrate and he averaged 4.1 assists which is really weird four rebounds had more assists than he did rebounds uh at Florida State and that's kind of intriguing and when he goes into the post because he does try to get active there at times that's where you will see some of his like layups if those kind of maintain in the nba i don't know but he does get in the post and if he's on a smaller defender you're gonna need to get some help 
and whenever the help comes, he knows exactly who's going to be open. He's going to kick the ball out, and you're going to be good there. Also, driving in, I said transition-wise, he's good. Also in the half court, he's very good at reading the corners. Just anybody in his vicinity. He's able to locate you, and he's able to fire off some targets. There are some errant passes where he will force it, but right now, I will say he's really above the average draft prospect, at least in this class, when it comes to to assisting the ball. So at 6'9", he does bring you kind of some point-forward potential almost. You do need to get him as a three-level scorer, though, for him to be uh, to be very effective. And that is kind of where the issue kicks in for Scotty Barnes. Shooting-wise, he is not there. He's not really close, in my opinion. His shot is pretty wide, at least from a base perspective. Takes a long time to get into that position. And then it's just slow in general. So people can close out on him and make a strong contest when he had five feet of room when he initially got the basketball. Overall this year, he shot 11 of 40 from downtown. So that is not a lot of reps. But I mean, even at that, um, another indicator, which I always look towards is how someone does at the free throw line. And I talked about it with Evan Mobley. I think I also talked about it with Kuminga, but I think Mobley was shooting low 70s. Kuminga was, I think, in like the mid-60s. And Scotty Barnes is in the low 60s. He shot 62% from the foul line this past season, attempted just a little bit under three a game. So he was taking those, just were not falling for him. And that is kind of a mechanics issue. He's going to need a lot of repetitions to even get up to like 30%. But right now, I would not really trust him from the three-point line. And he still is not going to be out there like Kuminga, for instance, where his confidence is at an all-time high. If he's open, he's shooting it. That's not really how it works with him. He's going to be looking to feed others if he's kind of left wide open. And if he does take a three you know, if he misses a couple, he's done. It's really more of a hot and cold game with, uh, with Scotty Barnes, but most of the time he's just not there. And he's worked on pull-ups, which is a good sign for him, but it's also one of those deals where it's such a slow release. It kind of hurts. And for a thunder comparison, I would say Gabrielle deck, but his release is just so, uh, so much different than Scotty Barnes is. I think he's so much different than just everybody in the league. It's like, two motion shot takes forever Barnes is faster than that but it's not pretty I'll put it like that so he would need work just developing almost a new jumper and that would just that would wreck what he already has and he needs to grow from the the top up or the ground up my bad so he has a long way to go as a shooter I would not trust him right now he's gonna need to develop a shot to really reach his full potential and then also, that shooting taps into his offensive game in a pick-and-roll setting, because right now, I like him rolling to the basket. I think he's strong in that area. He's going to be respectable. I mean, he's going to blaze by whoever you know is up top. He's going to get by his power forward, whoever's matched up. And you can throw him a lob. You can just dice in a pass. He's capable there. But let's say he's playing for the Thunder. If you're going to be alongside SGA and you're not a center to begin with, you need to be able to hit a three. But also, if you're setting a screen, you need to pop out and be a big enough threat to where SGA, if he sees you wide open, is going to hit you every single time or, you know, someone is going to have to completely switch 
or something like a drop coverage simply won't won't work because you need to make sure it's a one-on-one when when SGA is trying to turn the corner. Scotty Barnes right now is not a real threat there. So if SGA gets a screen from Barnes, you're pretty much in a knot because SGA, his end goal is getting inside to uh, to get a scoop and score layup or kick out to the corners. But then he'd just be running into a wall of two guys and it could kind of create some issues where you kick out the Scotty Barnes, but that's great. What do you do now? Is he going to try to attack the basket? He could try, but I don't know if that'd be the best move for him. So he needs to grow as a shooter. Really for me, that's the only slight I have. I like him. I like the way he distributes. I like the way he finishes. I think as a defender, he's one of the top in the class. But with that, his floor and his ceiling are kind of all over the place. And the primary reason, and really the reason why I say that, is because he simply does not have that developed shot yet. So when I was making comparisons to a Scotty Barnes, one guy who kind of was popping up in my head was almost like a Stanley Johnson when he was playing for Arizona. Now, for Johnson, when he was playing with the Wildcats, he actually shot like 37% from three. But in the NBA, he's really not a shooter whatsoever. He's more of just a, you know, defender. He's all right. And then finishing, he's decent. So I'd probably say a better passing Stanley Johnson is like the worst case scenario for him. And that might just be like maybe undervaluing his defense a little bit because I do know when Stanley Johnson was coming out, he wasn't really just penmarked solely because of defensive ability. He was like a two-way guy who can do a little bit of everything. Whereas I think Scotty Barnes is seen as a defensive mastermind who can become something on the offensive end. So it might be a little bit of a loose comparison, like, but that's just what I saw with him at least. And when, you know, when Stanley Johnson came out of the draft, he looked like a complete steal when the Pistons were able to snag him and he never panned out. I mean, he played for the Pelicans. I did not even know that until I was searching that up. Like that was such a distant memory for me. And it was like two years ago. Now he plays for the Raptors and he's had moments with that team where he'll drop like 20, 20 plus points and like seven rebounds, but it really doesn't happen all that much for him. So I would say for Scotty Barnes, like Stanley Johnson, kind of, and it's very loose. I I think Stanley Johnson might not be the correct, you know, comparison to him, but I would just say, you know, just your typical bench guy, like your your typical bench defender who can guard a couple of different positions offensively. They can attack the basket, but, um, you know, you're not going to be able to depend on them from shooting and they're just going to be sagged off upon. And I think that is really what crushes him because if you add a three point shot, you got people going up close to you. That's going to make you so much better attacking the basket because he does have a nice handle. You know, he has the between the legs, he has the push cross and he's able to finish through contact, but also that passing he has to kick out to anybody That is a forte of his game that I think gets kind of pulled apart and washed away a bit if he can't get a three-pointer because it was okay um, with Florida State, but I think in a typical offense, like you're not going to see as many possessions where you're just going to get free, easy blow-bys. People are not going to respect your jumper if you cannot shoot the ball. Like We've seen it with Lou Dort before he turned up the heat. Darius Baisley sometimes this year even wasn't getting defended properly. Like Andre Roberson also, like you just don't 
have a you know typical offense like your offense is not fluid if someone cannot shoot the three ball especially you know when you're talking about a five but you know I, I do think the Stanley Johnson comp might be a bit wacky I do think though like at his worst he could just be a bench player who is good defensively but offensively he's kind of not going to be much of an impact at all and it sucks like he's very athletic but even with that like if you're athletic that's great but you know, you're not going to be able to go up and do that if you can't set yourself up. And I'm afraid that could be a potential issue with him. In transition, though, I think Scotty Barnes is great, but he'd kind of be a one-trick pony in that regard. Just defense and then, you know, scoring in transition. I do like the passing. Um, You know, when I'm thinking of ceiling, really, it's like Draymond Green, but I don't know if I'd put him exactly there right now. When I think of Draymond Green, I'm thinking of a filler player that you complement your stars with. And Draymond, he's a much better shooter than um, Scotty Barnes is currently, and Draymond's not that good of a shooter, uh, by the way. But with Draymond Green, his big deal is he's able to scrap for rebounds, he can set you screens, defensively he's able to guard multiple positions, and I mean, that's all you need really. I think the passing is kind of what sets him apart from some of his other, you know, defenders and top power forwards and I know Draymond's kind of fallen off a bit, but like prime Draymond where they're winning championship after championship, his role of being a distributing power forward who can defend was perfect. And I think that Scotty Barnes at his full potential can guard multiple positions one through four. He has the capability of being a premier defender in the league award winning. That's kind of the line you draw, but yeah, he does have the potential to be a defensive mastermind, and you don't see that a lot in these draft classes. The deal is, though, you need to be a two-way player, and that is what is going to turn him from a defensive guy to a two-way threat, and if you're a two-way threat, look at what Lou Dort's doing now for the Thunder. Like, Lou Dort is seen as a serious threat next to SGA, and people need to step up on him from three because he's a like mid-30s uh, catch and shoot guy. And that's, that's a big improvement from what we saw from Lou Dort in the past. So you need to see improvement from Scotty Barnes in the shooting category. I think without that, you really limit it. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of limit yourself and you put yourself in this corner where, yeah, you can use him, but it's like a Roberson where you can play him for 25, 30 minutes a game. And defensively he can lock uh, other players up, but you could be playing four on five and it helps he's big it helps that in a pick and roll situation it's really not a big deal if he rolls but um you do need to kind of put band-aids on it and it does hinder kind of how you use that you you can use your center too because the center would also need to shoot you can't have a lineup nowadays with you know two players who, who just simply can't shoot the basketball so that's the thing you need to iron out with um with scotty barnes i mean i like him as a player like I said, like I see him kind of in that same light as Stanley Johnson when he came out of college, and Johnson never panned out, but I thought Johnson at the time would have been amazing. He wasn't that, though. So that's where I think he's kind of landing. I mean, in between there, you're just looking at a solid starter. I think that's what he likely will be. Um, if he exceeds that, I would not be you know, all that surprised because he does have the tools. But that shot is just so um unpolished and it's like years away from in my opinion being solidified that it will be an issue day one that I think with someone like Kuminga will suck but I think Kuminga can shoot out of that there will be progression there 
I don't know exactly about Scotty, and um, yeah, you, whoever picks him up, it's just going to be like Kuminga. If you put him in a situation where he needs to be contributing day one and they're looking for the playoffs, he probably won't develop that shot and he won't be where he needs to. If you are going to be on a tanking team where they're going to kind of let you be in that incubation phase where you can fail, Scotty Barnes could develop a shot and you'd be talking about a completely different player. If he could shoot, you'd probably flip him to Kuminga, honestly, but that is uh, that is not the case. Anyways, moving on from Scotty Barnes, I want to talk about Keon Johnson. And this is a guy who I am very, very intrigued by especially for the Thunder's point of view. And I'm going to talk about this probably when I'm talking with the Bricktown Breakdown guys. Um, but with Keon Johnson, you want to find a star. And I think with anybody, like for the Thunder, you need to hit on a star this draft. And if they do not fall in the top five, you still need to look for a star. Like you do not want to go into this draft looking for another solid young player who you know, at his peak is not going to be a game changer. You want to find the next game changer. You want to find the next all-star and you need to be hunting down the ceiling. I think Keon Johnson has the highest ceiling out of guys outside of that top five. And I think he makes the most sense overall over a guy, maybe like a Scotty Johnson or, um, or anyone like that. I said, Scotty Johnson. What am I talking about? Scotty Barnes, my bad, but still like you need to be hunting down guys who will be like one of the main reasons you win a championship. They're in the early parts of their rebuilding phase. You need to get up and running with, I think, home runs, because if they don't pan out, that's fine. You're still going to be around the bottom for a little bit. If you go for these high floor, maybe low ceiling players, you're going to situate yourself in a spot that you don't want to be in, and that's going to be middle of the pack playoff team. Luckily, you have a lot of draft picks, but it still is an issue. So I think Keon Johnson is a boomer bust player, and that's a, someone the Thunder should be looking at. When you look at Keon Johnson, the first thing you see is how athletic he is. And he plays a lot bigger than what his size would suggest. He's six foot five with an 186 pound frame to him. And he's playing shooting guard for the Tennessee Volunteers. But yeah, I mean, he's explosive. And he's in that same tier as Jalen Green. When I was talking about Jalen Green being far and away the most athletic player at his position, it's not as far as away as I thought um, because Keon Johnson is right there. Now, I don't know if Johnson exceeds Jalen Green, but they're very, very close. And I think the way that they play, uh, especially driving in, is pretty close to identical. So he can just straight up soar with a little bit of a head start. He's going to be going right at you. And I'm talking, he can just step into posterizers. I'm not even talking transition when he turns it up. He turns the jets on. But um, just in the half-court setting, like, if he's sneaking in on a cut, he doesn't need to take full strides. He doesn't need to be at full speed. He just pushes right up, elevates, and he can posterize centers. Standing dunk. I mean, hell, dude. that That is what you want to have. So, um... I mean, he can do that, obviously. I think um, when he's driving in transition, though, he is an absolute monster. And the amount of ways he can finish when attacking the basket is uh, absolutely mind-boggling. I mean, he is one of the best mid-air adjusters in this class. You're talking up and unders. You're talking he can take floaters. And it's kind of like Hamadou Diallo, where he'll bump in you and kind of hang there and then get his shot up. So I, I think that's big, but also I kind of downplayed it like 30 seconds ago but he can take floaters so it's not just bang bang plays where he's soaring up for dunks rim his head's at rim level by the way just um yeah i think zach levine 
when when you're thinking this. But um, yeah, that's where he's at. But also layup wise too, right up there. But he can just smoothly go up for floaters, and he did a nice job. Shot a pretty high percentage there, and if he can add that to his forte at the next level, that's going to be really effective because he is good at changing speed right as he's attacking or I guess any way he wants. He can accelerate when he's attacking or he can decelerate and still get the result you need. Um, But I think the floater is part of that kind of deceleration where you might get a defender backpedaling, you hit someone with a floater, and they're not able to contest it. So he has the seeds there. The main deal is, though, he is the most freakish athlete probably outside of Jalen Green, if not kind of right there. But that is the wow factor you get from him. I mean, as I said, Zach Levine is the comp I'm going to give for his slashing, and that is probably the most generous you can get from me. Uh, in terms of dunking the basketball right now. So he's going to soar in. Uh, I think he's only 19 years old too, so he has a lot of room. I don't know if vertically he's going to get any more inches on him, but everywhere else he will get bigger and he'll be able to develop. Right now he's attack-wise already at NBA level and he's above a lot more people. You cannot train what Keon Johnson does. And I mean, sometimes he's playing a hole in the wall. If you guys ever watch that game show, like he can fit into the tiniest spaces midair and it's like a contortionist act where he'll still get the result you need now obviously sometimes he's gonna just ram right into pressure unprecedented on two guys and it's gonna be like off the backboard and just go flying but um i think one-on-one especially in downhill situations he's able to contain himself really really well and still get the result necessary whether it's picking up a a pair of free throws or just straight up getting to the line because he did average 3.7 free throws a game I talked about the dunking um I want to talk about more it kind of just more along the lines of that because off the ball you need to have guys who can be effective and he can do that for you he is good at recognizing weak side defense if he sees the centers on the other side of the paint and the ball handler is kind of just waiting up top he'll cut in this is also something I commented on Jalen Green for but he'll cut in and then he can soar up for layups. And then that's off backdoors. Or I said layups. He can soar in for oops. My my apologies. But he'll go backdoor. He can do dunks. He can do layups. Just a little bit of everything for him. And with the way he's able to just get forward momentum, it's a hard time kind of stopping him in his tracks. So that is um, that's really what you're working with. I think as of right now, he is an elite finisher in this draft class both off the ball and also just running with the basketball. But also another thing that comes with the verticality he has is he's a great rebounder. He actually averaged 3.5 rebounds a game, but 1.1 of those came on the offensive glass. And some of those rebounds were not that flashy. It was just simply him being in the right place, right time. A lot of the time he was actually just chilling like 15 feet away. So he was in the mid-range area. It's not like he had to swoop in, but there were times where he would soar in, get an offensive rebound, and he'd go right back up for it. I think second chance points is um, going to be a strong suit of his coming right away. But yeah, offensive rebounding, that is one of the separating factors from some of the other shooting guards. When it comes to defensive rebounding, it's just average. I mean, I'm not going to really say he's better than anybody else. I'd assume it translate over though. You know, being able to soar up, that's going to work anywhere when you're uh kind of soaring in for loose balls as a ball handler he is 
he's all right. Like he has moments where he's gonna lose it a lot. I mean, he actually averaged more turnovers uh, than he had assists. He had 2.6 turnovers and 2.5 assists. But I thought the handle was pretty tight, and he's very fluid and stopping. You know, when he's dribbling the ball, he will pick the ball up, he'll scoop it up, and then he'll just go right into driving in. And those layups are beautiful for him because he still has a speed when he wants to. Just right off the drive, pick it up, and, you know, just gently touch it right in right there. But um, I think another thing with him is when there's some side help, he's still able to kind of maneuver his way through. A lot of the times what you see in this draft class is if you see maybe someone isolating from the top of the key and they get an angle. Let's say they drive right and somebody from the right wing comes to help out. Then they're looking to kick out to the right wing or it's just going to be an awkward play where they have to hold the ball for five seconds. Keon Johnson does not do that. He wants to go full throttle trying to get inside and that can be his weakness at times, but if he's able to kind of understand when he's in danger a little bit better, he will have more times than not where if he's slashing in on two guys, there will be no turnover. And if there is any sort of mishap to be made, it's going to be made at the second level with a pass or some sort of shot. But at the first level, you don't see a lot of issues with Keon Johnson, you know, trying to drive in. And a lot of that just has to do with the speed that he possesses because his first step is faster than almost anybody I've seen in this class. And the only person, as I've said, like athletically, uh, is Jalen Green to him. No one else is touching him, at least that I've scouted. And I'm assuming there's no one else like Keon Johnson or Jalen Green here. But yeah, like the quick first step he has, he's able to turn the corner. Now he doesn't have the same dribble moves as Jalen Green does, but he still can turn the corner and get inside for penetrations. But what I love about him the most is he has the potential to be a shot creator. And with Jalen Green, I think he's a surefire thing. He can shoot the ball at all three levels. Keon Johnson can't right now. And he especially cannot shoot from three. From the mid-range, he was he was all right. I mean, he has a solid pull-up game, just like when he looks for floaters. If he sees someone backpedaling, he can stop with the pull-up and he'll pop it. Now, his release is really, really high up. It's not the fastest, but it's so high, the apex of his shot, where, you know, it's kind of hard to block him anyway. So, he kind of compensates for it in a way, um, but that does help. Also, when he's driving in, I saw it more specifically when he's driving in from the left side. He likes to go for spin jumpers, and when I'm thinking spin jumpers, I'm thinking you, you know, gather the ball, and you spin successfully, then you go up for a shot. With Jalen Green, it's a lot more kind of strenuous, like he draws it out a bit, like he'll try to maybe even back you down, then he'll go for a spin, and then he'll go for a shot, so it's not like a one, one motion act almost. It takes a while for him to get this spin jumper off, but it was effective, and sometimes he just forced it, like there was an obvious closeout on him, and he still wanted to chuck it. He will need to work on shot, like just some of the shot selection he has, but that spin jumper is going to be huge for him. Same goes for that pull-up. Right now, he's great at creating in the mid-range. And he's worked on a step back. And it doesn't create a lot of space. But I'm happy he's at least tried to add this to his game. Because some of the other people that I've you know been scouting right now, they don't have really any sort of step-back jumper in their game. Even, even at the guard positions. 
Keon Johnson has it, and no, I don't really love it because it, it kind of is more or less like the amount of ground he covers, you might just want to take a step with the ball, um, but it can still give a little bit of room, and I think if he works on it a bit more, that can be a very deadly uh, step back. But um, yeah, a lot of it has to do with the shooting. He needs to sure up there. I'll talk about the numbers in a second. But let's just talk about the other end of the ball because I'm hyping up Keon Johnson as an amazing finisher around the basket and a guy who could become a shot creator. That's what you'd want next to a player like SGA. But to make things even better, he has some good defensive upside. And that lightning speed translates over seamlessly to the defensive end and this is what makes him very special and a reasonable selection maybe you know right outside the top five and it's that lateral quickness that allows him to go over screens a lot and zero steps are given whatsoever and let's just say that maybe he gets tangled up in a screen well he is able to gain speed with his strides and then he can sneak up for chase down blocks now he didn't have a ton per game he had 0.4 per game uh 0.4 blocks but he'd still get in there and he was very active like there were some plays where he just get completely beat two steps on him and someone goes up for a layup and there's not a lot of heat on this but he's trying to go up against the glass this is coming from the left side and he goes up for the layup keon johnson doesn't fly like over him he waits for the guy to get the layup off cuts goes inside him actually so he like undercuts him between you know him and the rim there's like not a lot of room to begin with but he gets up there and he's somehow able to block the shot before it hits the backboard it was ridiculous and just in general like on even dunks from bigger guys he'd fly in and stop things so he can block he can steal because of the speed a lot of it came from some of these loft passes with which truthfully I don't see them a lot in the NBA I think those loft passes like not even entry passes just those 50 50 balls they're kind of not seen as much so that's where he feasted a lot from that might go down but one thing that will not is um you know people trying to kick out to the wings and his speed goes from zero to 100 he'll get in the play and then once he gets the ball loose if he has it He's going to outrun everybody to the other side of the court, and he could dunk from the free throw line if he wanted to. So he has the full package when it comes to defensive potential. Now, if he's going to play forwards, truthfully, I don't know if that is in his agenda. I think he'd strictly be a combo guard defender, so the one or the two, but that's much better than being locked up to one side. And with the lateral quickness, there's no gl like glaring hole in that part of his game and if you can't defend on pick and rolls that's going to be something that teams can abuse i don't see anything that people can abuse with keon johnson now i think the only real big issue with him could be his aggressiveness on this side because he is pesky he does want to draw the ball loose even in an isolation he's looking to steal the basketball but with that he's reaching and you're able to kind of catch him. So like a rip move, like the KD, Chris Paul jumper, whatever you want to call it, Keon Johnson would fall for it every time. He is kind of gullible in those situations. And because of it, you can just draw in and pick up some fouls. He averaged 2.4 fouls per game. And as I you know talked about with the assist, he only averaged 2.5. He's a decent passer, like him in transition. Um, you know, everywhere else, like not as good. But um, yeah, it's just kind of my thoughts on him in that spot but 
Yeah, defensively, he he's all right. Um, I will say, I guess since I did talk about passing just for a split second, he is good at finding guys in pick and rolls. Like he knows where the center is, and there were times where he could see help defense coming and he'd turn around and make passes, but it was just not a lot. He didn't do it a ton, so I'm not gonna say he's a surefire deal there. I will say though, you know, hitting the center, he's uh he's pretty solid at. Anyways, yeah, I think defensively there's upside and. I mean, shot creating wise, there is upside. So every little negative I have on him, it's something that I think he has the tools to accomplish. And, um, you know, that is a big deal when you're looking at potential prospects. If there's a part of your game that you look at and say, he doesn't have the tools right now, well, that could be a major problem. And that means likely they're not going to translate over and just be able to progress like in the NBA, they're going to take a hit from college and then it's going to be a mountain to even get them back to the college level. I think with Keon Johnson, all his negatives, which really is just shooting, um, you know, they, they will be worked out with. And, um, you know, if it doesn't pan out, it's going to hurt him a lot, but I'm pretty confident in it. And he shot 27% from three this year on 1.8 attempts per game so it's not like a kuminga where you're shooting a ton but he was still getting the ball up and um you know simply not going in and i do like i said i like the apex on a shot i like the mechanics he has it could be faster the only thing he needs is just repetitions because he has all the mid-range game in the world it's very very weird and you don't see guys like this i kind of compare him to kendall gill almost um to like the mid-range game and then the interior game like he's leaving out the three-point shot currently and you're gonna need to be able to do that to play uh, at a high level and especially now you know when i do these normally i'm not biased but if you're gonna play for the thunder dude you need to be able to have that three-point shot to play next to sga because that can be the difference between you playing with the starters all the time or you having to be kind of that flamethrower off the bench but the three will need to be fixed i mean both off the ball and on the ball is an issue for him and shot selection is a major issue as well so i talked about the spin jumpers he'd shoot into just a a sea of players and then same goes for layups like he would not have angles at all he'd still take it and then the step backs were there i mean he did it but it seemed like once he hit a step back he'd almost be committed to taking a jumper and like I said, the step back is not going to be like a hardened one where you're getting three feet of room. And even if they make a decent closeout, well, the shot's already up by that point. It's so little that you can close out before he gets up on his shot and he's going to miss it short almost every time. So the step back needs help. But even with that, like once he goes in that step back, there's no change in his mind. He needs to be able to change his mind. And, um, that's just the the part that hurts and for him i think shot selection is one of those things where you talk with the coaches the coaches will nag on you some people just are natural shot chuckers and they, they can't get rid of that part of their game um but others i mean they're able to become more of a team player and johnson as i said like passing is not a huge thing i like highlighting for him but you know, I, I think he could become more of a guy in the shadows. He needs to be able to um, to be a three-point guy, though. So, when I look at him, I, um, I kind of see Hamadou Diallo, actually. And that's my floor for him, really. Because with Hamadou Diallo, he is athletic. 
he'll jump out the gym and offensively he's a great rebounder on the defensive side he can go in for chase down blocks and sometimes he gets in on passing lanes the thing with Hamadou Diallo though is this he gets a ton of fouls and he cannot shoot the basketball though that pull-up game like the mid-range pull-up that um that Johnson has that's the same one Hamadou Diallo has and Diallo has more of that clunky release um Johnson's is a little slow but it's not as bad as Diallo's um from that kind of standpoint like mechanically anyways with Diallo I think that's a solid floor now for pick like six like a top 10 pick you don't want to be getting a Hamadou Diallo now Diallo's good and I actually really like him like he's become a much better passer he does restrict you though and um with him like he's able to go up and get you 10 points in a heartbeat and when he's feeling it he's gonna be the best player on the court for you but also he needs the basketball to succeed and that's the fear with Keon Johnson like can he play off the ball and still be efficient if not he's like a Diallo where you need him to get the basketball and he can shot chuck and he can kind of phase out some of the players and that hurts everyone on the team unless he's on that tangent where he simply cannot miss because even right now he can flip the switch and be pretty hard to stop um but yeah like those kind of players can hurt you and they can become unplayable at some points so you don't want to see that happen with him regardless though that's a guy who would be a very strong figure off the bench and he would be flaky in a traditional half court set he might not be the guy for you but in the in the fast break and if you want to run him at point he'll be great he just needs to work on passing and maybe you can sure it up like he doesn't need that three he's gonna need it though if he ever wants to reach kind of that all-star caliber but I'd say he's a, he's a unique bench piece um at his bare floor and that's not great for a lottery but I mean, I still think he that'd be a valuable person. Um, if you're trying to be a contender, you always need someone kind of similar like a Jordan to a Jordan Clarkson, except uh, Clarkson's more of an outside guy, and Keon Johnson would not be. At his ceiling, though, I see him as another all-star level shot creator, and that's a three-level score. That's a guy who can do it for you on the ball as well as off the ball. And when I I'm talking him to be an off the ball threat. I'm not asking much. I think that like a 34% three would be enough for me. He doesn't need to be shooting 36. He doesn't need to be shooting like into the high, high 30s, low 40s. You don't need to be a Clay Thompson. You just need to be decent there. And that's going to help you everywhere else. I think he's going to hit that. So I don't know if I'd consider that all-star if he's only shooting like low 30s. But he'd be very effective as a starter. Now, would he be a person who leads you to a championship without a three? absolutely not but defensively he's going to be able to shut you down one or two he's going to be good to go he's an energy player and then on the other side he can fly in for shots and then he can pull up i do think the speediness of the pull-ups and some of those other areas are not the quickest but it's still he's he's such an electric guy that I do feel like he could catch you backpedaling, and if he can develop a shot, he sure as hell can develop some better uh, moves to free himself open. So I do really like him. I think out of the guys that I've scouted thus far, out of the top five, he might rank the highest out of total ceiling. So I could see a situation where, you know, one of these lower tanking teams who might fall out of the top um, top five would just take a flyer on him maybe earlier than expected. So 
he's one of those make or misses. Um, the floor can hurt, and you know I don't even know if you'd want to start him if he doesn't shoot. But if he can shoot, that's the guy who can drop 20 points, average 20, maybe even more for you a game, and also be a great rebounder, and then be a two-way guy. I mean, get you steals. So that's the deal. I mean, he is only 19, so he has a lot more progression left in him has to do with who drafts him and um where they want to take him as a player but i'm very high on him i mean with scotty barnes also like his skill set um we'll see where they're projected as we get closer to draft day but i see both of them kind of ranging around top 10 picks and you've seen i've seen on big boards people have johnson outside the top 10 they also will have scotty barnes outside the top 10 too but the consensus is teams right outside the top five are looking at both of them heavily so those are my takes on those two guys i will be talking more prospects later so don't you worry there's a specific one you have in mind you guys can dm me on twitter just mention me whatever the case is you just gotta type in my name or you can tweet directly at the pod at thunderstick pod so you guys can check out either of those but other than that though guys that is going to wrap up today's episode i thank you all for listening and i will talk to you all next time see ya